and welcome to this Endo Life, episode 5. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about bringing you guests who are battling chronic conditions and mental health issues in their own unique ways and are changing the lives of others through their awesome work. Today I'm speaking with the lovely Vicky Williams. Vicky is a yoga teacher, Reiki healer and Fita healing practitioner who has pretty severe endometriosis um, on her bow as you'll come to hear in the interview. Um, Vicky and I have been talking for a couple of months now and Vicky is currently carving out a path for herself, supporting people through yoga and healing. Um, and she's particularly focused on those with endometriosis. She's also using food and lifestyle choices to improve her own symptoms. And she's had quite a journey with um, deciding what's right for her when it comes to conventional treatment and alternative therapies. This episode might be a bit different from what you're used to. Vicky's work is a lot to do with energy, um, so we go into that, but we also try to make it as accessible as possible for those who aren't used to this kind of, you know, these kind of subjects and don't think, it, you know, aren't sure whether it's for them. So take what you want from it and leave the rest. Okay, so there's lots to get stuck into. We're talking about bowel endometriosis, Zolidex, Reiki, endo and anxiety, and going part-time. Yeah, there's a lot. It's a good one. I hope you enjoy it. Here she is. So I wanted to start with your like personal story with endometriosis and um, also anxiety because I know that for you, like your stories with those two kind of started at the same time from my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess you can't really separate those stories and I guess and anxiety is so linked to our experience with endo as well. Absolutely, yeah. Mine have definitely been even though they weren't kind of, um, I guess they didn't happen at exactly the same time. I do mm-hmm. think, well, basically it took me about 10 years to be diagnosed with endometriosis. Wow. And I think, yeah, the pain that kind of that I was living with and almost I was going back and forth to the doctors all the time and they just said, you know, it's just a bad period. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, it was quite dismissed. So I think the anxiety grew from that because you know, I was exhausted most of the time. My my hormones were all over the place. And, you know, I just, I didn't really know what was going on. And I just, yeah, I felt like I couldn't cope with what was going on. And yeah, I think the anxiety manifested out of that situation. So. Yeah, I think a lot of women can relate to that, like me especially. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it took you 10 years to be diagnosed. When, when did it all mm-hmm. start for you? Oh, wow. Like, ever since I started my periods, basically. So I was 11 and on holiday. And two days before I actually started my period, I fainted like three times. Wow. And yeah, so we, which actually now, um, I understand is a common kind of symptom of endometriosis, but yeah. I had no idea then we actually went to, um, the hospital in France and they alluded to the fact that, you know, it was the start of womanhood um and then from there it was pretty much just a very rocky roller coaster Mm. I'd be really heavy for eight to nine days I'd be in bed most of that time kind of like curled up in a ball in so much pain and you know over the years I've missed so much school uni work from it yeah um and then it was only when I was 21 um that I went to a hospital in London because I'm obviously from Wales. So, um, I'd been going back and forth to the doctors there, but it was when I came to London that 
I was referred to the scans and then they could see the cysts. Um, and that's when the first operation happened, um, which how actually old, so after that. How the, old were you then? So I was 21. 21, right, okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, and after the first, so during my first operation, they, um, I had the marina coil put in as well. Mm. So about a good year after that operation, I had some relief, like life to kind of, you know, was easier. I was going out and doing things again. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it was kind of, yeah, it started to creep back to normal. The pain was there, you know, even though I was having kind of reduced periods, pretty much no periods after the marina yeah. coil was put in, the pain was still there every month. Excuse me. Bless <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that's when I had, um, my second operation in 2015, which was quite a biggie because, um, the reason why I had to have it was that the cysts on each ovary had grown to the size of tennis balls. So it was just creating, yeah, it was, oh, I was bloated and I looked pregnant most of the time because they were obviously just taking up so much space. Um, Mm. And during the operation, they realized that all of my organs were stuck together. Um, so my ovaries, so I've got kissing ovaries, um, but also like my bowel, bladder, uterus, and obviously the ovaries are really affected by yeah. the endometriosis and adhesions, which I'm sure you'll, you'll understand are just so, so painful. Sometimes yeah. they're, they can be even worse than the endometriosis. So, mm. um, so yeah, so that operation, they they couldn't really do much just because of the severity. Um, so could they not separate? Did they not like separate the organs? Because they usually like laser. Yeah, they couldn't because because the bowel is so heavily involved. Um, right. There was basically a, they they didn't have uh, the people in the room at that time to kind of the right people to be able to separate it in a way that was that was safe. Right. Um, okay. So after that operation, um, I had quite a lot of different opinions as well. And they, they all went back to kind of having another operation, which would be quite serious. Um, there'd be a bowel surgeon involved and the operation would basically involve all those kind of like organs being separated, but also removing a section of my bowel that's quite damaged. Yeah. And, um, then I'd have to have a colostomy bag, whether that would just be for the first three months or I'd have to live with it forever. They, they couldn't tell me. Um, and that why, was kind of... Why, sorry, why couldn't they tell you that? Because it just depends on how the operation goes. Absolutely, yeah. Right, so they okay. don't, until they actually go in and, and actually figure out how damaged the bowel actually is. Um, okay. Yeah. And also, every every single person's body is different. Mm. Every person's body responds to treatment in very, very different ways. So it's it's really hard, I think, for them to tell me how how my body's going to react. Yeah, yeah, of course, that makes so, sense. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, after the first operation, I was kind of, well, the second, sorry, I was kind of like, oh, I don't want to go down that route. You yeah. know, I'm just going to stay away from that. It's quite scary. Um, and then it was actually January or February this year that I pretty much had my like really like horrible, scary moment where I was in work and the pain started creeping up. So, you know, got my hot water bottle or my tea, mm. which usually just helps to kind of subside the symptoms a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
that literally didn't work. So then obviously went on to painkillers. And honestly, within the space of like 10 to 15 minutes, it just got so bad. So I left work, got a taxi home, and I was in the most excruciating pain. By the time I got home, I was rolling around on the floor. Oh, God, that's awful. Yeah, I had to take tramadol and just nothing was touching it whatsoever. Um, So I was actually admitted into hospital, um, which I had to stay over for a couple of nights. And up until that point, they'd given me um, an option to have Zolodex, which basically puts you in that postmenopausal phase just to give your kind of your ovaries a break from all the hormones. Yeah. And up to that point, like I'm quite, I like to do things natural, obviously being a yoga teacher and Mm -hmm. into my holistic therapies, that kind of wasn't an option for me. Yeah. Um, Until that point where I think, you know, when you're in so much pain, you just, you just really want something that's going to really help. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. So, so I agreed to have it and, oh, it was, I mean, again, going back to the thing that thing um any operations or treatments affect people in different ways but Mm -hmm. Zolodex for me just oh it was worse than actually having the pain because the symptoms that I had were you know I was postmenopausal so really hot flushes felt dizzy faint all the time felt very sick I mean I had terrible mood swings just the worst that you can imagine so for me it wasn't I, I would wouldn't want to do that again because there was no benefit because actually you're just swapping some symptoms for another set so yeah yeah. and did they give you did they give you something to counteract that no um so they don't give you hormone replacement therapy because there's um again different side effects that can come from that um so it's they try not to give you that they try to see how you respond to the zolodex just because they don't want to kind of keep on adding things to the list so you're kind of just one big side effect basically um but that actually was my catalyst moment that I was just like right my body just was really communicating to me that it just wanted to really try heal things naturally Mm. and then from that moment that's when I really started to get into changing my diet um, really looking into how yoga can work for endometriosis. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's certain poses that I I naturally gravitated towards because they felt really good. But that's when I started to do a lot more research into that, and and even just like the meditation and breathing aspect. So when we like breathe, especially during movement, that literally has the power to overcome any pain or fear and anxiety related to that pain as well Mm. so pretty powerful stuff and it's where um the reiki um uh practitioner um will draw on the energy um from the reiki guides and masters and that essentially flows through you so the hands are laid on top of um different areas on the body um i actually like to um kind of let the hands almost guide themselves so it's quite an intuitive process okay. um but most of the time they're guided to work around the chakras mm. so the chakras are um and almost so they're an energy kind of like stream within the body energy centers um so just like we have our cardiovascular system or skeleton system we have this energy system that runs throughout us as well 
Okay. So the chakras are seven different points, starting from uh, the base of the spine all the way up to the top um, crown of the head. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the energy, but the energy really does move intuitively. So even if you aren't um, kind of guiding the hands to an area of where there's like pain or tension within the body, the energy naturally makes its way to that part of the body. Um, so yeah, it's, it's such a beautiful healing technique. It's, it's really used to help calm people, um, reduce any kind of like stress, anxious thoughts. Um, yeah, it's really powerful. It just helps to relieve any dis-ease within the body. Okay. So for people who, um, aren't used to the idea of Reiki, um, Mm -hmm. and also aren't really used to the idea of going down a more natural path mm-hmm. um what's your what's your take on that in the sense of people everyone's different with endometriosis mm-hmm. I mean that's my view and I think we all have the right to treat endometriosis in the way that we want to obviously if we're advised if we're getting medical advice that we really need mm-hmm. to have a, a particular operation um because it's really really serious then it's useful to listen to the doctors in most cases that we know some doctors are absolutely um, not, not yeah. great but mm-hmm. i mean at, so at the moment you're managing your anxiety and your endo with reiki yoga and um your diet so mm-hmm. The surgery you have put on hold, and I know we discussed this personally. Mm-hmm. But what was what was that decision? And are like, mm-hmm. are you worried about the implications of putting that surgery on hold, um, in like and replacing it with these other forms of healing that some people mm-hmm. might say, well, it's not. It, you know, other people might say it's not real, but mm-hmm. you know, for you that it works for you. Yeah, just to say first as well that, you know, every single person is different. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone really needs to go with what feels right for them. Yeah. Um, and I definitely haven't ruled out Western medicine whatsoever. And actually, you know, even though um, I received little relief from those operations, yeah. you know, that there was some relief there. And you know, the guidance that I've had from doctors and especially the clinical specialist nurses for endometriosis has literally been a godsend. Um, That's that's really good to hear because not many people say that. Yeah. No, honestly, um, my nurse um, at Guy's Hospital, actually, she's so wonderful because she actually understands, you know, the the medical and the holistic side. So Right, that's brilliant. yeah, honestly, and she's been so supportive. And I actually think that we're living in such an incredible time at the moment because I'm just starting to see actually spirituality and science come together. Mm. So you've almost got the, yes. the holistic healing with the Western medicine. Yeah. And I honestly think that that is the most powerful thing because yeah. Western medicine is it's really important. But also I think the holistic side allows you to tap into your body a little bit more because mm-hmm. basically pain within our body from my kind of perspective is there to try and get our attention so it's our body's way of communicating to us that that something's not quite right and 
you know, it wants us to kind of delve deeper into that area to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just think that's really important having those those two connections together. What's your plan with this natural healing for others who might be thinking about um, looking into the diet or looking into other mm-hmm. types of alternative healing, whatever that may be, whether that's like acupuncture or um, Reiki? You've put this surgery on pause, and mm-hmm. am I right in thinking you have a date for it, or you you're on a waiting list, but you just might you're seeing how you go? Yeah, so actually I was on a waiting list for it, um, but then a date came through and I just had this really big feeling in my gut that I I wouldn't need it or to go ahead with it. So I actually cancelled um, the, the, the surgery completely now. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that I will never have surgery again or yeah. like anything like that, but actually the last four or five months following a really strict diet, um, increasing the amount of movement that, you know, I, I generate within my body through yoga, but also swimming, kickboxing, um, doing a lot of the the healing work on myself, like Reiki, mm. um, Theta, and also acupuncture. Yeah. I've just found that actually the conditions have really, really improved. Um, I've also... Yeah, I've gone part-time in work as well. Mm. Um, So instead of um, working five days, I'm now doing three days. And actually that in itself has just been a huge kind of weight lifted off my shoulders because actually for me, stress really aggravates my condition. Mm. So understanding that and actually just not feeling guilty about it or not feeling like a failure because, you know, I can't cope with five days in an office environment. yeah. Um, that's actually been one of my biggest lessons is actually to say to my mean girl, you know, you're more than welcome to come on the journey, but you're not taking kind of the upfront driving seat here. Um, (laughs) I love that because yeah, I do think honestly suffering endometriosis with endometriosis, you, you can feel really guilty and you can feel like Mm. the sick girl a lot of the time because, you know, having to cancel plans or even being out and just not feeling that great, you know, it's, Sometimes it's so hard to put on this brave face. Mm. So, yeah, there's, it's a multitude of lots of different things that are kind of all coming together for me now. Yeah, and I think you're so right about the stress and the um, the work in like three three days. I know that when I mm-hmm. went from I went from five days, and then I went to one day working at home and then I think like flexible working hours like 10 till 4 and then I left and went to three days and even though I went into a job that was really really intense mm-hmm. um the going to three days made such a huge difference and then that job yeah. was very very stressful and when I left that and I started at an- another job um because I've like you I've been kind of working out what works for me mm-hmm. the, the relief was instant like yeah so so instant and I think with different with alternative therapies um you know whether you're a spiritual person or whether you are more scientific based even if you don't believe in the energy it's you could look at it as a sense of like well the um acupuncture and the reiki and whatever else it might be 
-hmm. it's just calming me down it's giving me time out it's like mindfulness so Mm -hmm. you you might not think it's doing anything on the spiritual energetic level but actually the process of stopping having someone take care of you and just being in a very peaceful calming environment Mm -hmm. can do such wonders for your body that just on that just on that kind of like chemical level of what that does to your like stress hormones. Definitely. I mm-hmm. think that obviously has a huge impact as well. So, you know, I'm just trying to show a bit of both worlds. Um, yeah, just trying to show a bit of both worlds for people who are um, unsure about, you know, the more the energetic side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, just, just so I understand, it's okay for you at the moment to be, like walking around with um like your organs as as they are like the doctors are like yeah so they I spoke to them quite in depth about the decision that I made and um yeah I mean it was their recommendation to have the surgery and Mm -hmm. I spoke about you know what happens if I don't have it and but for me it was almost like if I had the surgery it was basically there was one route that or outcome that there was, it was going to be having you know the bowel surgery and um, the colostomy bag. So I just thought I might as well just give myself this time just to actually see if you know if I can improve it going down the natural yes. healing route. Yeah, and then if it doesn't work, then I'd be more than open to the surgery. But you know, after just a short time of four or five months, and I'm feeling so much better. Um, that's so nice nice yeah so hopefully it empowers other people that maybe had not thought about the um healing energetic side maybe Mm -hmm. just using that as kind of a complementary therapy to um the medicine that they're on currently Mm -hmm. so but it is all about you know I, I really do feel like you need to be at the right in the right space um to kind of be open to that and and it isn't for everybody mm. so you know it's just really important to to go with what you believe in and you know what your gut's telling you to do rather than you know trying different things because everyone's telling you because yes, actually yeah. our bodies really know what it needs it's just taking that time and space to actually you know give it that opportunity to talk to us almost yeah so yeah no completely and like you said it's like you giving yourself some time to see mm-hmm. if you can get endo under control and that's what mm-hmm. Jessica Manan did for example she was due a hysterectomy did the diet and didn't need a hysterectomy following that mm-hmm. and you know she is now in a really good place um, mm-hmm. and I was in a similar situation I couldn't go and get surgery because I was away traveling and Mm -hmm. I was like well I'm just gonna see I'm gonna use this as an opportunity to see what I can do about it um you know myself and I I have had surgery in between that time um but I I think for me my personal route is like I've mixed surgery with um yeah with the the diet and like and I'm Mm -hmm. exploring different types of healing so I think it's kind of using different tools and resources out there to like create a life that's manageable for you with endometriosis absolutely you're almost finding your own potion of what works for you um and it has taken it's taken me years to kind of test different things of what work and you know some have had 
no benefit on me whatsoever. But then I can talk to another lady with endometriosis and that, that's been her one biggest kind of relief mechanism. So, mm. you know, everyone is so, so, so individual. Um, but just actually going back to the kind of introducing people to healing and energy work, even if it's actually, you know, using yoga as, mm. as your way into that, um, even if practicing yoga for like 10, 15 minutes a day, taking just that time on the mat every day has such a huge benefit. A lot of people think that, you know, when you go and practice yoga, you need to do a solid hour. And actually people can, might only be able to fit in one hour a week of yoga. Yeah, but yeah. actually what's more beneficial is that kind of repetition every day of right, kind of okay. moving into your body. And, and I've actually found, um, because the organs are all stuck together, there's certain poses that are just so nice within yoga. And actually, and they help the healing process. So mm. things like backbends, you know, and even if you just start backbends very gently with something like a sphinx pose and then work your way up to cobra pose, which is, um, and then onto things like camel poses, which is a little bit more, intense but Mm. this just really gently opens out and stretches the abdomen and the pelvis and you know it gets deep into the fascia so you can kind of create that space and fluidity yeah yeah. within the pelvis I remember having after having my second operation just actually after the operation being able to breathe so much deeper into my stomach because because of the space that the the endometriosis and the cysts were really taking up yeah that's that's Um, such a like I don't know it's just sometimes when I'm interviewing people they say something and I'm like I didn't even think about that you just don't think about all of the different ways that endo affects you oh you really add it all up and it's just Mm -hmm. it's a lot for your body to be experiencing definitely absolutely and with um the adhesions as well I found that actually if you strengthen your your core Mm. that actually helps um so by strengthening the abdominal muscles, it helps to heal that scar tissue from previous operations. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So oh, that's interesting. It's incredible, and then even more so, like with twists in yoga. So twists are naturally quite big detoxifiers. Mm. Um, so they help activate the liver, and the liver, uh, the liver, sorry, is responsible for removing toxic waste. Um, yeah. You know, including the excess hormones such as estrogen, which we know that estrogen kind of sends signals to the endometriosis to grow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's just certain movements that you can do every day that are just actually just helping you in that healing journey. And it can be, you know, 10 minutes, as I say. So Yeah, that's really, I mean, that's amazing. And is there like, I know that obviously you're now um, working as a yoga teacher as well mm-hmm. as like your part-time job um Mm -hmm. and doing reiki so for women who are interested in your yoga techniques and what you're talking about now for example um how are you working with people now like moving forward do you have any plans to be working with women around endo or is there any like classes they can go to like what's your kind of yeah your work plan at the moment Absolutely. So my aim um, in the near future is to create workshops um, mm-hmm. for people that, that suffer with endometriosis, but 
but even people that you know suffer with really terrible monthly periods um or any other condition relating to the pelvis and yeah. kind of the ovaries then those workshops will be really beneficial for those people as well mm. but even you know my biggest recommendation is going into any yoga class you know speak to the teachers they they do have lots of information that can help and um there's lots of great youtube um videos for people with endometriosis or yeah or even feel free to drop me a line and I can share kind of more information of you know yoga poses and postures that you can integrate into a home practice as well because I think that's one of the biggest things when when you're really not feeling very, very well the last thing you want to do is just go to a class so yeah. it's really hard I've been in that place yeah um so just kind of introducing those gentle movements at home Mm. Or just hopefully get you into a space that you can then feel well enough to kind of go to a yoga class or or do other forms of movement that, that you love. And what about, um, I know that, so we've done some work together and, mm-hmm. and we've done some Theta Healing. Um, mm-hmm. So what, you offer healing as well. Um, I do, yeah. And it'd be nice to talk about like what theta healing is. Um, I feel like I've just said it differently twice. <laughs> Don't um, worry at all. <laughs> and I just always think of feta cheese. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So obviously you provide yoga classes, and you will be mm-hmm. providing yoga workshops. Um, mm-hmm. And who knows what kind of resources in the future? Um, but then you also offer different types of healing from Reiki to theta. So um, I do. Can you talk a little bit about Theta Healing and what that is and kind of the principles behind that? Absolutely, yeah. And just to um, build on from that, so what I try to do with the yoga is actually Mm. I try to introduce healing tools within the yoga that people can take away with them. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so I've been working quite a lot with um, EFT, which is Emotional Freedom Technique. So it's a tapping technique. tool that you can use on the body and essentially as I feel like yeah yeah it's starting to gain some popularity absolutely yeah it was developed by a gentleman called Roger Callahan Mm -hmm. who was a um psychotherapist and for years he um he basically wanted to explore more techniques and when patients came to him how he could really help release the trauma from the body so he developed this technique called emotional freedom technique and there's certain areas on your body that you can tap on and as you're tapping it's such a calming practice um so you're really releasing any fears anxieties and trauma from the body Mm. and just helping to really balance yourself so you're you're bringing yourself back into equilibrium so and whether you're feeling tired or if you're feeling kind of a little bit kind of almost floaty then then this just brings you back to that that baseline for yourself um so yeah so that's one technique that I like to um bring into my classes as well as um usually I'll do um Reiki within Shavasana um and then the theta healing is yeah something that I offer on a one-to-one basis so it's a meditative technique um, and it's used to tap into the belief system that we all hold. So within our subconscious, mm. we'll have um, 
these self-limiting beliefs that could be so simple, but actually they underpin every single thing that we do, every single thing that we interpret and feel. Yeah. So theta is just a great way to actually understand, okay, what are those limiting, limiting beliefs that are really holding you back from being your best version of yourself or really going out into the world and doing what you want to do? Um, and the beliefs, so we use muscle testing, um, applied kinesiology, because you find that when a belief is true within your body, your muscles are really strong. But actually, if it's not a belief that you identify with, then your muscles go weak. So it's just a nice confirmation of actually, okay, what what beliefs are, am I working with here? Mm. What, what beliefs can I release or overcome? And for those who don't, because when you told me about it, I didn't really, and actually I heard about it um, on Jess Lively's show as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't really sure what she meant by muscle testing. So when you say muscle testing, mm-hmm. it sounds like, I was like, am I going to have like something injected into my muscles? <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you test the muscles? So it's literally, so there's different ways that you can do it. My favorite way is to pinch the thumb and the index finger together. And you're almost, so you're not really like gripping, like as if your life depended on it, Mm. but you're just having like this firm hold. And then you can say different statements. Mm. Um, And then with your other hand, you basically try and open the fingers. Um, So if something is true to you, then your thumb and your index finger will stay connected because that's that's a truth in your body. But if it isn't, then the muscles go weak. So you can open the thumb and the index finger. Okay. Um, That's my favorite way of doing it. Or you can kind of place your arm out and test kind of like with lowering the arm. So pushing down. um, So everyone kind of reacts in different ways. Mm to the muscle testing so it's about finding something that works for you and why will your muscles respond to what's true to you so um the best way I can describe this Mm -hmm. is so your beliefs um form your life basically and everything around you and essentially your that's your story that's your biography and your biography and your story becomes your biology. Mm. So whatever you think, um, feel and do almost, that that kind of manifests itself into the body. So that's how your your muscles basically can respond. So when we say a truth, um, our body is strong. Mm. Um, but when actually something just doesn't identify with us or it's kind of when you're not being your authentic self, then I guess you just don't feel kind of empowered or strong either. So I guess our muscles respond in exactly the same way. Yeah. And I guess actually that's quite interesting. If you think about um, when people are lying, um, mm-hmm. we know that our body language and, our, you know, just our bodily responses give away um if you know what to look for give away like from like Mm -hmm. sweating to like suddenly getting like a weird like itch on your neck to like not being Mm -hmm. able to look someone in the eye so yeah I guess like there's definitely you know there's definitely a a body to brain connection we're not two separate entities I think a lot of the time we believe that we are Um, absolutely and if you think about it if you're if you're nervous or excited 
Mm. Where do you feel that first? It's not in yeah. your in your brain, it's in your gut. Yeah, yeah. So they've actually there's quite a lot of research around now that your gut is almost the main brain and your your mind is actually secondary to that. Mm, yeah. Um, there's a lot about that at the moment, isn't there? Absolutely. It really is. And I was watching something recently and it was talking about how um fear and excitement can basically generate the same symptoms. So you obviously, you kind of get the, the sweaty hands, butterflies in your tummy, yeah. shaky legs. Um, but it's just actually how we interpret that in the mind. Mm. So if we, if we say it's excitement, then we're going to go forward with, you know, like passion and kind of like an openness. Yeah, but actually, yeah. if we interpret that as, as fear, that's when the anxiety comes about. So, mm, yeah, that makes a lot so of that's, sense. Again, that's symptoms and then the kind of the thought secondary just showing how powerful our bodies really are mm, yeah so sorry I realized I've taken you down a, a other path but um oh, don't worry. With the, so with the feta healing so you do the um you do the muscle test mm-hmm. and then you find out what's true for someone and then mm-hmm. where do you go from there so within theta um you're connecting to this higher power, mm-hmm. try to think of a word that doesn't sound so <laughs> scary for people that aren't kind of on this path. Yeah. Um, but essentially through this meditative technique, you're, you can understand actually, okay, what, what are the blocks there? You know, what beliefs aren't currently like working or serving their purpose? Mm-hmm. And then by connecting that higher power, you can really release them. And that's when, that's why we do muscle testing before and afterwards because that confirms whether the belief has been released or not. Or, you know, sometimes that belief can actually um, be serving a purpose. So, Mm. for instance, um, take the example of if you feel um, not good enough. Mm. So sometimes that belief can um, serve its purpose that if you don't feel like you're good enough, then you're constantly going to strive and be better. So that belief is is basically motivating you but mm, yeah, yeah actually we don't need those beliefs um so yeah it's 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 so interesting and do you, have you seen um I mean I know you've worked with me I don't know if you've worked with other women with endo yet um mm-hmm. but have you is there a pattern of the types of beliefs that women with endometriosis might have I haven't worked with enough um to officially say that there's a pattern yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can, you see similarities mm. a lot. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't want to say just until I've kind of, yeah, practiced, yeah. I guess, with a lot more. Yeah. Okay. We'll keep our, like, we'll, we'll see how that progresses. It'd be interesting yeah, to definitely. See. <laughs> Absolutely. I wanted mm-hmm. to like, just quickly talk about your journey with changing your career path um, mm-hmm. and how you, have done that with endometriosis because I think that's really important and I think a lot of people mm. who suffer with chronic conditions or stress or anxiety or depression are turning to paths that are more um, focused on well-being because it's better mm-hmm. for you know their own lives um mm-hmm. so what was that decision for you I think the biggest thing for me was actually finding this path and going down more of the yoga healing route I saw how much of a huge benefit it had on me yeah yeah um, 
so that's been my my biggest motivation is to actually to help others Mm. you know whether it's anxiety endometriosis or or other health conditions you know I've I've seen so much relief and kind of and people actually you know coming out and shining again um yeah so that's my biggest motivation just to yeah help heal people and and help heal the world you know we're 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 in a time where the the world really does need healing Mm. um so yeah that's definitely been my route and and actually my uh, so my current office job have been really supportive within that um and for a long time um colleagues over the past god like 10 years um didn't really understand it and to be honest I used to get quite frustrated with that but actually it's because I wasn't educating them or talking openly about you know what I was going through how I was feeling so actually as soon as I started to be more open about you know what I was living with because endometriosis is such an invisible condition so on the outside you might look great Mm. but on the inside you're really really having to like hold things together yeah yeah um so yeah that that for me was was key just being open and honest about you know if I wasn't feeling great like no one was gonna judge me because I was having a bad day or um and that yeah has opened up this pathway for me which has been great and what about um making that transition because you know at the moment so you've dropped to three days and then you're doing mm-hmm. the yoga and the healing on the site how how are you managing that with um endo is that a lot do you I mean are you getting so, more now or I'm purposely taking it really steady because mm. I want to see where my limits are and I don't want to go fully into something and then you know have another endometriosis flare up so yeah. yeah you know going back to that that stress management that is yeah. key um but also you know actually just taking time out like I call it my self-love hour so <laughs> every day I make sure that I do an hour of actually I quite like to mix it up so it's it involves kind of yoga mm. meditation reiki theta um even just going out like for me going out and being outside in nature yeah, in the yeah. park kind of like tops my energy up so and yeah so I'm just taking it really steady making sure that I'm focusing on kind of loving myself and giving myself that healing work as much as I'm giving it out as well yeah um so there's actually a a lovely quote that I love um and it says you know if if the cook doesn't eat then everyone starves but if the cook eats then she feeds the world um so yeah it's and sometimes it's seen as selfish to love ourselves Mm. but but you know like in in this world you know we love our families our partners our friends you know and that's considered kind of the the basis of a relationship is love so Mm. we have a relationship with ourselves as well um completely yeah and I think we're starting to change our minds on self-care and looking after ourselves I I was in a um in my day job um I was in a group where we were asking some women some questions and um they were quite a few generations older than me and we asked them what they thought about the phrase it's all about you and Mm -hmm. the phrase was supposed to be about embodying the idea of like self-care and 
just taking some time out for you. And one of them, well, not just one of them, they hated it. They hated the phrase. They were like, no, it's not about me at all. I hate that idea. Yeah. The younger generation love, and this is not all of them, and this is not, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're like, it's a really selfish generation. And I think we're trying to start to understand that it's not selfish and it's not bad to look after yourself. Absolutely. The history of women thinking that they have to, I mean, I see it with my mum. My mum will run herself into the ground because she mm-hmm. thinks that's what she needs to do to show love. Mm-hmm. But she's continuously exhausted. So it's just, what good is that doing for you if your love is 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 wearing you out you can you can love without having to be completely you know worn out from it absolutely absolutely and you know when you're in your best place then you know you're better able to help people around you as well um oh, yeah so okay that's so yeah that's just really interesting I think it's something mm-hmm. that we're gonna see um in the next few years as I know self-care is a bit of a buzzword and people are like some people don't like that word but I do think it's important um especially when you're dealing Mm -hmm. with things like endometriosis and chronic illnesses um okay so what do you think the like future holds for you like where do you see yourself like next year um where do you hope to be with like supporting women and others through your work yeah, so I really want to build the yoga healing work now. And mm. as I mentioned, you know, running those workshops that that bring women together that are suffering with similar conditions, because actually sometimes it's so easy to go out there and be like, oh, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm the only one. And it's when you bring women together and actually open a circle for sharing that actually, you know, even that in itself could be quite healing Yeah. because yeah. just to know that someone else, you know, that understands you and empathizes with what you're going through and that you're not going crazy, you know? Um, so yeah, that's a, a big aspect of the work that I want to carry into the future. Mm-hmm. And it's also, um, I want to go into teaching children and teenagers. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah. So with the yoga and the healing, because I think, if you can inspire someone at such a young age, mm. then they have those tools to grow up with. So, you know, if they're doing exams at school or they're, you know, having a difficult time at home or going in, into the workplace in the future, if they can understand and actually connect to their body and how they're feeling and be able to calm themselves, mm. then I honestly feel like they were going to have such a different generation. Yes, um, completely. Yeah. And they're actually looking into, um, weirdly, I wrote about this the other day, um, um, into like the effects of mindfulness in, tr- in on children in schools. Because mm-hmm. there was a lot of um, studies on adults, but not children. Mm-hmm. And they're now seeing um, the effects of that. Um, and it's yeah. really, really pos- um, positive. So I think they're going to start bringing it into schools a lot more. Um, okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been like so interesting having you on. And I know like, obviously we've known each other for a couple of months now, but mm-hmm. actually just asking you these questions over again has been so insightful for me, even though we've talked about it so many times, it's okay. like, I feel like I learn more about it and understand more, um, every time we talk about all of these things. Oh, good. And thank you so much for having me. Honestly, it's such a pleasure.
Oh, you're welcome. I'm sure I'm sure you're going to be back on to talk about anxiety soon. So, yeah. I would love to. <laughs> All right, thank you, Vicky. Bye. Thanks, Jess. Bye. Bye. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please rate, review and or subscribe. It helps others to find the podcast and will hopefully spread awareness of chronic illnesses throughout the world. That would be cool. Um, if you want to say hi to me, I'm on Instagram at this underscore endolife. I'm on Twitter at this underscore endolife with capital T-E-N-L. And I'm on Facebook at thisendolife.com, all one word. You can also head over to my site, thisendolife.com, to have a read of my thoughts and ramblings. And I'm also now a columnist on Endometriosis News. Vicky's details will be on the, in the show notes, so you can reach out to her and see what she's up to. Um, and Vicky and I will also be bringing new Londoners something special in the autumn, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Again, thank you so, so much for listening and for going on this journey with me. I'm loving having you here with me and hearing your feedback. And I will see you in two weeks' time. Thank you.